Great. Okay, now please join me in your Bibles uh, or up on the screen or your bulletin. The scripture for this morning is Colossians 2, 6, and 7. Colossians 2, 6, and 7. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Please pray with me. Jesus, we love you this morning. We thank you so much that it's a baptism Sunday. Thank you for uh, the people who have chosen to give their life to you, chosen to make a public statement of that. And God, we pray that as we listen to the sermon this morning, as we learn what it means to walk in you and be rooted in you, uh, that we would just be grateful for what you've done for us, how you saved us, and how you invite us to walk in you and live in the truth. Jesus, we love you and pray all these things in your name. Amen. All right. Good morning, everyone. If you signed up for the Financial Peace Dave Ramsey class, uh, we're starting this evening. And uh, very fancy, but all of the books are on my tailgate of my truck. So when we leave for baptism, I, I learned as a school teacher, if I passed them out right now, you would all just start reading them during our church service. So... I learned that a long time ago. So um, they look like this, 5 o'clock right here tonight. And I'm going to, I think the Regan signed up, so I'm going to trust you to put it under your chair. Keep a close eye on it. <laughs> All right. So uh, 5 o'clock right here, um, and uh, we'll jump in that together. Each fall, I think it's important to take just a couple of weeks to answer the question why we even exist as a church, and we need to be crystal clear on that question. And so one of the, the ways you wrestle with that is trying to put together um, uh, a brief statement of why we, we should even exist. And, and through thought and time, um, we, we came up with something that's, that's brief, so we can recall it, but also meaningful. And so um, if we can put that on the board, um, on the TV, let's just review that for a moment, and then we'll jump into our passage. So we exist as a church, the Malibu Gathering, to encourage and equip people to live in Christ with community and for others. And so we will take um, one week, breaking up each one of those thirds, uh, living in Christ with community and for others. And so this morning, we'll talk um, briefly about what it means to live in Christ next week, with community, how in the world do you get a group of people to even get along? It's more challenging than you might think. Maybe, maybe you have an understanding of that. And then the third part, though, that we'll do uh, in two weeks for others, that there has to be an others focus to why we exist as a church, that we're not self-centered, that we exist, as we talked about the last couple of weeks, that there's a a part of us that we exist to do good works, to, to be helpful with other people, love other people. So this morning, we're going to ask the question, what does it mean to live in Christ? And so Colossians chapter 2 will help us answer that question. But before we do that, we need to even look at the words encourage and equip. We need to be encouraged because we can all easily get discouraged. We can all quite easily wander away from our faith, wander away from Jesus. 
And we need to be encouraged in life. We need to be strengthened. And then also we need to be equipped. We need to learn um, skills of life. We need to learn and understand the gospel and, and how to live well. So we exist to encourage and equip one another to live in Christ. The Apostle Paul writes this letter to a small community of believers, and he begins uh, with this statement, as you have received Christ. And so we want to ask the question, what does it mean to receive Christ? Or even the question, have you received Christ into your life? I want to take just a moment and just share with you a little bit um, about my story about receiving Christ, because uh, in a few minutes, uh, we will have um, three or four people come up and and share their brief story about why they want to be baptized. But I think it's important for us to think for just a moment and ask yourself this question, have you received him? And if not, it's important for everyone to know here that you can receive Jesus Christ today. I don't know what you think of when you think of uh, pastors But I can tell you here this morning that that becoming a pastor was about the last thing in the world that I ever wanted to do. It uh, it had absolutely no appeal to me at all in my um, 20s. I took took a preaching class when I was an undergrad, and I went for one period, one one class, and I dropped it. When I graduated, I had an undergraduate degree in theological studies, and um, I, f- I felt some calling upon my life to pastoral ministry. Didn't want anything to do with it. So I, I did construction. I built houses for uh, several years, did concrete work in, in some of the most cold, bitter conditions in the Pacific Northwest and, and questioning my life and why I went to college and questioning the meaning of life. Tried going to Kauai. <clears throat> I thought I could distract myself with the beauty of Kauai and and all the opportunities of playing in the ocean there and surfing. I can remember sitting on the beach, though, if you've ever heard of a guy named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He wrote a book called The Cost of Discipleship. It's a book about thinking through very carefully what does it mean to follow Jesus Christ. And I was sitting um, in an area, if you've been there, uh, tunnels not between there and Honolulu Bay on the beach, reading this book by myself. And off to the side, there were two couples, a guy, two guys and two girls, very healthy, fit, beautiful people frolicking in the, in the beach. And I'm sitting here on the beach by myself reading a book on following Jesus. And it just, um, I was like, that looks like that's a lot more fun. What I realized, though, after living or being in Hawaii for a few weeks, that people actually have jobs there. And I had this perception, being 22 or 23, that everyone in Hawaii just played all the time. And um, so it turned out to be actually a very lonely time. And so my dream of, of just surfing and doing construction quickly came to an end. Came back to the Pacific Northwest, did more construction, I had a college roommate say, moved to Alaska with me. Um, there's all kinds of exciting opportunities. His dad was uh, in a unique position of leadership in Alaska. I lasted four days in Alaska. <laughs> it was the middle of August, and it rained every day, four days in a row. I sat around and drank coffee for four days, hopped on a ferry boat from uh, 
I think it was Ketchikan, back down to uh, the Seattle area. All along, I, I knew that God was speaking to me through his word and through different people. I wasn't satisfied, though, yet in my quest to find meaning in my life or to find, um, find purpose or find joy or happiness in my life. And so the next opportunity came along was to go to Indonesia. I thought if Kauai didn't satisfy me, then I could go surf in Indo and enjoy that. And so I got a job teaching English as a second language. And, and I mentioned this last Sunday, uh, lived there for the summer. And I have very clear memories towards the end of my time going to a church, and it was a, an international church. People from all over the world made up this body of believers, and the pastor spoke, and there was just uh, this continual pulling uh, on my heart that I need to go back and, and, and live a life of, of obedience, of following God. And, and for me, that meant seminary. And if I was going to pursue pastoral ministry, I felt like I needed to be trained and equipped and do something that was not um, just a spiritual fun thing. And, and my pastor encouraged me to go to seminary and, and be trained and equipped. And uh, so finally, I did that. But the idea of God speaking to us through his word, through friends, through people in our lives. And running from that is real. And I know we've probably all experienced that in our lives. And so that's why I think just this very beginning, just these words, have you received Christ, knowing that Jesus is pursuing people, that he speaks to us through his word, that he speaks to us um, through people that we have in our lives. And so Paul is saying this, that as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, as you have received Jesus, the friend of sinners, the friend of the social outcast, he says, still walk in him. And one of the things we learn that when we, when we continually run from God is that life doesn't work out with you in control that we hold on deeply to, to a direction and a course for our lives that we think is right and good. But in the midst of that, God is speaking to us and calling us back to him. In Matthew's gospel, Jesus says, Come to me, all of you who are tired, and I'll give you rest. And the good news of the gospel is that Jesus is speaking that message to us. And so the question is, ha is, have you received Jesus Christ into your life? Have you received him as, as your Savior, as your Lord? When you do receive him, that means some significant things. It means that you are forgiven it means that you are included in the family of God. It means you are made clean. It means you belong to the living God. It means you are loved, that you are part of God's family. And Paul is telling us we need to remind ourselves of that. He says, so walk in him. As you have received Christ, so walk in him. That we need to speak that truth to ourselves because we can easily become discouraged. I read this week 
uh, a short article. I'm going to just share some of it with you just a little bit um, by a professor named Andrew Menkins, Menkes. And when we talk about receiving Christ as our Savior, as our Lord, it'd be worth it for us to ask the question, what problem does that solve? If you receive Christ in your life, what problem does that solve? And here's what he says about the problem that is solved. He says, talking about emptiness, he writes this, I believe this principle is true. The more empty and hollow we feel inside, the stronger the guards we place to keep others from finding out who we really are. The more empty you feel inside, the more guards you place around your life to keep others from finding out who you really are. He goes on and writes this, Emptiness is a feeling we all experience to some degree or another. It's the feeling that we are adrift without purpose, unable to find stability, the feeling that life is chaotic and nothing really matters because we are just pawns. It's the feeling that we are not important, we're not valued, we are not loved. Emptiness is the feeling of being alone and lost with no way out. It's the realization that we don't have the answers to life's deepest questions, the most painful situations. So we build walls to hide behind. These barriers cut us off from others. This makes deep, genuine, and meaningful relationships much harder to cultivate, which only serves to make us feel more lonely and more empty. We all have a fear of being exposed to keep people finding out, from finding out who we really are or how we truly fear, feel. We, are, we fiercely project an image of wholesomeness and purpose, but we know it's not true. He finishes with this and says this, What would relationships look like if we find our identity, meaning, value, and purpose in Christ? He said they will, will be marked by one driving characteristic, love. And so the idea that we can receive Christ into our lives, it resolves the problem of emptiness that we've all experienced, whether it's in high school or later in life, being excluded, feeling disoriented in life, having that continual feeling of emptiness be a part of our lives. And so the Apostle Paul writes this as a source of encouragement for us that we can walk with him. And then he says this, he uses two words. He says, rooted and built up in him. Now, one of the things that's interesting when you do a study on what, what does it mean to be a Christian in the Bible? Here's one thing you find out. That the word Christian doesn't even appear. It's a super rare word, maybe twice in the epistles where Paul says, refers to people as Christians. He uses the word in Christ or in him. And as you think about that, it's kind of a funny way of speaking because we don't normally speak that way. We don't say that I'm in Abraham Lincoln or I'm in George Washington. But Paul was trying to make a point. And, and here's, here is the point. 
let me start by saying this. It requires that you use your imagination. Often after church on Sundays, I'll come back on Monday morning and I'll find sticks laying all around the grass. And often, you know what it's from? It's from the kids, boys and girls, running around <clears throat> with sticks in their hands and pretending there's something, I don't know what they are, lightsabers or swords or something, and they're having all these pretend battles and fights, and there's sticks all around. And all the adults are like, hey, careful with the sticks, you can hurt somebody. Children are amazing at using their imagination, and adults are horrible. And here's what Jesus says in John chapter 15. Use your imagination when Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Use your imagination. So your life, our life is to be grafted in with Jesus. In this passage, uh, Paul is using another example of, of agriculture that were to be deep-rooted. So you have to use your imagination again that your life is like a tree a fruit tree with deep roots. And then he says the next word, Paul mixes his metaphors. Not very good if you're an English teacher uh, to review Paul, but he mixes his metaphors. The next metaphor is built up. It's a construction metaphor. So he says this, as you have received Christ, as you have received the gift of salvation, so now walk in that. So salvation is not just a once and done aspect. It's to be lived out. And we live it out with the metaphor of a deep-rooted tree and a house being built up. One very short, quick story. But when Karen and I first got married, we, uh, a friend of a friend offered us um, five acres to buy in, in Quillacine, Washington, which is an old, struggling logging town. And I, we, I don't know why we, <laughs> we just bought it. That's <laughs> what you do when you're newlyweds, I guess. A year or so later, though, we had part of it logged. And one of the things that is pretty about the property is there is remnant of old growth trees on the property. And when we had part of it logged, we had a logger come in, and there was an old growth stump on the property that was probably 8 or 10 feet high. You know, just a big, massive tree, but this high because it had been cut down. The top of it was decay with rot damaged, beat up. And the logger said to me, it was right in the middle of a spot where we could build a house. Do you want to take that out? And I said, yeah, yeah, we gotta, let's get rid of it. It's right in the middle of where we'd build a house. What I didn't know, what he was going to spend hours with an excavator digging this thing out because of the roots. This tree was hundreds and hundreds of years old and its roots were so stable and so strong. Second growth, third growth tree, the loggers came in and it took them hour, a couple hours to, to down dozens and dozens of trees. It took a guy on an excavator hours and hours and hours to remove one old growth tree whose roots went deep. The top, the visible part, was beat up and exposed, just like all of our lives. Some pain, some hurts, some shame, some guilt. 
But Paul is saying this, when you receive Christ your Lord, that we are to go deep with Jesus. And then he says, built, that we are to be durable, that Jesus will make you durable, that we're to go deep and be durable in Christ. He says, in him. How does that happen? The next phrase helps us. He says, establish in the faith, just as you were taught. So it is the job and the responsibility of all of us to encourage one another, to equip one another, to be established in the faith. That is the teaching of God's word. Here's what the teaching of God's word does. It, it does something that we all need. It presents a sacred order to life. A sacred order to life. That there is a way for us to live that brings beauty and health and goodness to your life. And what happens, and it's in my heart, and it's in all of our hearts, there's a natural part of us that we're a little bit rebellious against God. And we'd rather do things our own way. And so we need each other. We need each other to encourage each other to stay strong in Christ. To lovingly and gently exhort one another to stay close to Jesus. We need one another to do that. The gospel is good news that's received and not achieved. The good news of what God has done for us all is that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross because of his great love for us. And he calls us to live within this sacred order that he creates for us. This morning... In just about one or two minutes, we're going to hear from a few people share their story about why they want to get baptized. And I just want to be very brief and clear, though, that the baptism is an outward symbol of an inward transformation, that they have received Christ. And um, I met and or emailed with everyone this week, and, and we talked about, about that, that Getting baptized is not um, something that we do to earn salvation. It's an outward symbol of saying that I want to follow Jesus, that I confess that I want to do life my own way, but that Jesus loves me and, and, and rescues me. So um, I'm going to invite Mark to come up and the worship team. But one thing I want to do is I want to invite, um, invite anyone here this morning that if God is speaking to you during this time of testimonies and you believe that you need or want to get baptized, then I would encourage you to do that. And I'm going to point out, um, Bruce, would you go back and sit with Brian Renner? And Brian will wave his hand right back there. He's in the very, very back. If you want to get baptized this morning, just go back there and tell them that. And, and they'll talk with you and pray with you, and then you can come up here and share your testimony. Um, I think the main thing is this. If God is speaking to you during this time, then listen to his voice. You don't have to run all around the world. You don't have to run to Alaska and Indonesia and different places running from God. You can just listen to him speak to you this morning. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray that that you would speak love 
into our hearts, that you would speak forgiveness and grace and acceptance. Father, we are grateful that you love rebels, that you love people who would rather do things their own way. And in the midst of that, with a kind and gentle voice, you speak to us. You speak mercy and grace and love. We thank you for that. Father, I pray that each of us individually would learn what it means to live in your presence. That we think and we function each day in the presence of Jesus. We pray your Holy Spirit would help us to do that. I pray we'd be a community of people that encourage one another to, to live that way. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.